0: If you could this morning, I would like to grab your attention this morning because we're going to really talk about a serious issue, but it's an issue that you guys can help out in and you guys can work together with us in, and I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a Bible passage um, later on um, in the message that, uh, that will speak to this issue. But the title of this morning's message is The Orphan Finds a Home, and I'm, I am am As I told you before, I'm just super excited to share this message. And I really genuinely believe that it's going to impact a lot of hearts this morning. So we're in part two of our message series, How to Neighbor. So where does that phrase come from? We read that initial verse. The great command that Jesus gave once he was asked, hey, Jesus... How do you take all, which is the greatest of all commandments? Jesus summarized it in this, The great command is to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our whom, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. so what we 're going to do today is we 're going to talk about another way to love our neighbor. Last week, we talked about our rate, how races are reconciled. next week we 're going to talk about The poor being empowered. How do we help those who are poor up? Not just give them a handout to those who are in need, but how do we help them up? And today we're going to talk about how orphans can have a home. Orphans can have a home. So it's really interesting as we talk about orphans and parenting and about moms because here's the truth. Just because a woman gets pregnant doesn't necessarily mean that she's ready to be a mom. There are a lot of unfortunate circumstances today in our culture. Women who are massively addicted. Those who have been abused and mistreated and don't know how to show love. Those who suffer from mental illness. And the list could go on and on on why some people are not properly equipped to be a caregiver for a child. I was just watching the news this week. My wife pointed out an article in the news. A mother, a young mother, a young mother who had a child that was one years old. Decided that her relationship with the person that she was with was more important than her child. And guess what happened? This man beat that one-year-old child into a coma and that one-year-old child passed away. These are the things that our society is facing today. And the same is actually true with a guy. It's not just women. Just because you can get a girl pregnant doesn't mean you're ready to be a dad. And because of these issues, because of these issues, in the U.S. alone, there are approximately 400,000 children that are in need of a home. 400,000 kids right now that do not have a family. In New Jersey alone, our home state, there are about 7,000 children that don't have a home. In the state of New Jersey alone, there are 60,000 cases of child abuse this year alone. When we hear these stats, they can be rather overwhelming. There's so many kids out there. But we have to remember this, and here's what I'll share with you. There are far more Christians in the world today than children who need homes. Let me say it because there's a a good place for you to get into this. And and I'm hoping that somebody will help me out today because God is going to stir some hearts this morning in a significant way. There are far more followers of Jesus in the world today than children who need homes. And I'm believing with all of my heart that we as a church can and will make a difference. I want to show you this morning that the church is God's plan A to help children Who are in need. So if you'd open your Bibles to James chapter 1, James chapter 1, the church is God's plan A to help children who are in need. In fact, I want to look at the word of James. James is the brother of Jesus, he is in the New Testament. James 1 verse 27, let's see what he says because I understand that we talk about as Christians and as evangelicals we have coined the phrase, it's not about religion, it's about relationship, right? Have you heard that before? How many of you have heard that before? But here James speaks to this and James says, here's what true religion is. You want to talk about true religion? Here's the purest form of religion. And here's what James says, and I'd like to paraphrase it, James 1:27. James says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure as faultless and faultless is this. So what's the purest form of religion that God accepts? It's to do what? It's to look after orphans, to look after widows in their distress, and to do what else? To keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So what's the purest form of religion that God accepts? To look after orphans, to care for widows, to keep ourselves separated from the impurities of the world. To live a holy life that would please God. Did you get that? The purest form of religion that you can have is care for orphans, care for widows, and keep yourself pure from the temptations of sin in this world. To keep ourselves pure. It should be very clear. That caring for those in need is close to the heart of God. In fact, this is absolutely true. This is born of our spirit. In fact, if I did this right now, if I showed you, if I were to show you some pictures of children this morning and tell you their stories, I know that many of you would immediately rise up and say, how can I help? What can we do? I'm in. I want to help. I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to share with you a story this morning from the state of New Jersey. A three-month-old, her name is Sylvia. I want to tell you that Sylvia's mom is in rehab trying to get off of Oxycontin. She doesn't even know who the father of her child is. If I showed you this photo it just explained this story, how many of you would just say, I'd like to help. I am in. If I showed you photos of two little boys, Michael and Jordan, two nine year old twins, and explained to you that their dad is in prison and that their mom overdosed and died and they want to stay together but they can't find anybody to take them in, I can guarantee you many of you would say, How can I help? Why would you do this? Why would you help? Why would you help? Because you saw faces, because you heard names, because you heard a story. A face to a name in the story makes you care. Of the 400,000 children needing homes in our country, guess what? Every single one of them has a face. Every single one of them has a name. Every single one of them has a story. And I believe that God calls us as the church to care about those who are in need. In fact... In fact, this is one of the biggest problems in our world today. This is one of the biggest problems facing families and society today. And who pays the high price for these poor decisions on behalf of parents? The children do. Broken families, fatherlessness, divorce, poverty, poverty substance abuse, incarceration, homelessness, domestic abuse, gang violence, racism, teenage pregnancy, human trafficking. The list can go on and on. And who pays the price for all of this in American society? Our children. Those who didn't even cause the problem to begin with. Those who don't even have the ability to solve any of these issues. The children pay the highest price. Perhaps that's one of the reasons why God... It says this in Psalm 82, verse 3 to 4. And God told us, the church, God's plan A to do what? It says this, God told us to defend the weak and the fatherless. We're to defend the weak and the fatherless. To uphold the cause of the poor, which we're going to talk about. And to uphold the cause of the oppressed. So we're told what? We're told to rescue the weak and the needy, to deliver them from the hand of the wicked. We're told to defend the weak and the fatherless, to rescue the weak and needy. In fact, all of us, if you have any sense, any of you, you're a good human being. You care for those people who are in need. You see someone in trouble. You see someone in need. Your heart goes out to them, doesn't it? If we believe as a culture Animals and dogs have rights, and we place bumper stickers defending dogs. If we can have bumper stickers saying, save the whales, then how about we save the children in our society? How about we save the children in our world? How about we rescue the needy? How about we defend the weak? How about we care for the fatherless? You see, it's so easy in the world. It's so easy in our world. And we have this this thought. And everybody at some point has this thought, out of sight, out of mind, right? I don't see the issue on my street. It's not my kid. It's not my family member. That means I don't have to pay attention to it. And for those of you, this is not only for those who don't have children. This is for those who have kids. This is a calling for the church in general. I've got something to say to you. I've got, you may say, I've got my own kids. I've got my own problems. I've got my own bills to pay. I've got my own stuff going on. I rarely have the time to care for somebody else. But here's the truth. Our God cares about these children more than we can imagine. And I believe that he is calling us, his church, to care about them as well. In fact, Psalm 68, verses 5 through 6, tell us who God is. And I love this imagery. This imagery. So, who is God? The psalmist says this He is the father to the fatherless, He is the defender of widows. Is God in His holy dwelling? What does He do? In his holy dwelling. What does God do? He sets the lonely in families. God sets the lonely in families. God may be looking today and he's looking and going, okay, there's a kid who needs a home. That kid is lonely. That 16-year-old needs help. That four-month-old needs somebody to rescue them. So what does he do? He looks for a family that's willing to say yes. And God orchestrates this all together and brings the lonely into families. Why? so that they can experience health and love and compassion and care and in many cases be exposed to the grace of Jesus who can share, families who can share the love of Jesus. So what does God do? God picks up the lonely and he puts them into families. So here's the question. What if God's got his eye on your family? What if God is thinking about your home? What if for some of you, you became the answer to a child's deepest prayers? Can you imagine that little boy or girl praying somewhere? God, give me a family. Give me someone to love me. Give me a place to belong. What if some of you were the answer to that prayer? Let me just share this with you. In a few weeks, we're going to have a Diffus come in, New Jersey Diffus, works with children, and they're going to come in to speak to our church about fostering. Wouldn't it be absolutely wonderful, absolutely wonderful if we loaded our kids' ministry up with children who are foster children, who need a place to stay, who need a place to live? And let me tell you something. This is not just for married folks either. Single people. There is such a desperate need in the foster care system in New Jersey And they are reaching out to community organizations to reach out. There are three ways that you can foster children. There's an emergency foster situation, which is basically you can put yourself on a list, and here's what happens. If there's an emergency where there is an issue of domestic abuse, the police need to pull a child out of a home in the middle of the night. They're going to call you up, and you're going to be that home that that child stays with until they find a more permanent foster situation. The second way that you can do it is by becoming a foster family in general, meaning you're taking in children that you know will eventually go back or will eventually be adopted into another place. The third way that you can participate in the foster system is called fostering to adopt, meaning you're fostering a child knowing that there is increased chance, a great, a great chance that they can be adopted by you. I've been speaking to my wife over the course of several weeks that this is something that we want to do. We want to do this. We want to participate in this together. I am praying that you as a church, my grandmother used to say this, and this is a great Spanish saying, right? Uh, Donde come uno, come dos. Where one eats, two eats. Meaning this, if, if, if somebody's eating up in that house, then there's enough room for somebody else to eat and grab a plate in that home and that's what we're believing for. We're believing that as a church, we will have the greatest impact possible on the foster care system in New Jersey. That the governor of New Jersey himself, that all of the secretaries, the cabinet level secretaries, and the legislature would look down on Butler, New Jersey, and would say, in that church, in Risen King Church, that's the highest capita of foster children that we have ever seen in the entire state of New Jersey. Their entire children's Classes, you have to go see this. Let us be a case study, an example to the world that we can offer up a solid home, that we can offer up a solid faith, that we can be there for children. How many of us just lounge at home on our days off? There's nothing that we have to do. How many children are out there in the streets without anything to eat? You know, we're collecting toys for a, a domestic violence shelter. Why are we collecting, Pastor Tom, why are you collecting toys for a domestic violence shelter that houses women in it? Guess what? There's a ton of kids in there, too. There's a ton of kids in there, too. And there's situations, maybe you're saying, Pastor Tom, yes, but I don't want to do this all the time, but you can help. You can help. I'm going to share with you just a story real quick that I have uh, heard before. My mom has shared with me this story before. There's an instance of a family that we are aware of, that we know of, that the husband was absolutely abusive to his wife. He used to beat her down, and there was no way. And these people were of high class. They were very rich folks. And so he used to give her an allowance and used to ask for the receipts Here's what she did. She got smart after a while, and she started buying things with the money that he gave her, and then would go back to the st- to give him the receipt. Would go back to the store, return it, and start accumulating the money. And she started collecting enough money to the point where she could jet out of that situation. But guess what was involved in that situation? Children. Children. In those situations, we can help. In fact, more than we can help, we are called to help. God sets the lonely in families. Now, a lot of you hear this and it's almost uncomfortable because we have so much going on. I I don't want to. I I know I'm supposed to care, but I'm not called to foster or adopt. I'm, I'm really not called. Let me just say this. For most of you, maybe you're right. God isn't calling you to that. In fact, some of you shouldn't do it. for the sake of the kids maybe you shouldn't put them in a precarious situation but before you say that you're not called to that before you say no i'm not or you look at your spouse and say no we're not i would just encourage you to pray just pray god would how would you have us to be involved would you have me to do something, God is there something that you're uh, uh, is there, is there something you're calling my family to to be a blessing to someone who's in need? in fact, when you think about it, if you ever let a child into your home, if you ever say yes to this, they may be never a never a greater moment in your life that you would be more like Jesus than that moment. Just think about that for a second. there may be never again, a moment in your life where you would be more like Jesus than that moment where you welcome a child into your home? That may be the most God-like thing for you to do when you invite someone into your family. Why? Because if you're a follower of Jesus, that's exactly what God did for you. I was a spiritual orphan. I was separated from my God, my father, by my sin. And because of Jesus, God adopted me into his family God gave me his name. Now I am not my on my own. I am in God's family. He is my heavenly father. I am a son of God. I am a child of God and when you call on the name of Jesus, you too are adopted into the family of God. You're not there because you're good. You're not there because you deserve it. You're there because he's good because he delights in reaching out to you and drawing you into his family. That is the picture of salvation. That is is the goodness of God and that's why Jesus came that you might be spiritually born into the family of God you bear his name, you're not your own any longer, when you called on Jesus you were adopted into the spiritual family of God you can be a son or daughter by faith in Jesus Christ and when you do this with someone else you're just like God inviting someone into your family to show them the very love that God has shown you Paul says it this way to the believers in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. He said, God decided in advance to adopt us. He decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. And the scriptures say, and it brought him great pleasure. It gave God great pleasure to do that for us. I know some of you are thinking, well, I can never, I can never foster at all. That would be too hard. I mean, to bring a child into my home and the greatest goal is to get them back into their biological family. It it would rip my heart out. Guess what? You're absolutely right. It will. It absolutely will. I've heard one foster family say this, and this is good, and this is a good axiom for all of Christian faith. If it doesn't hurt, you're not doing it right. If it doesn't hurt, you're not doing it right. If you're practicing faith and it doesn't hurt, then you're not doing it right. If taking a child, if doing acts of faith for people don't hurt, then you're not doing it right. Men of God, if, if, if God has called you to be with a woman and, and, it, and it doesn't hurt you once in a while to, to long suffer with that person and you want to be looking in every other place instead of looking at that person, guess what? That, that may hurt you for a moment, but having integrity counts more. And having the righteousness of Christ counts more than two seconds of your earthly pleasure. If it doesn't hurt, you're not doing it right. My goal is not to guilt anybody this morning at all to participate in this. But what I want our church to recognize is that we are God's plan A. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you and nudges you, just a little hint, those who resist the most are often the most who are called. Did you know that? I always get weary. I get weary of somebody who gets totally excited and they're like, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I am called to ministry. I am just absolutely giddy to go to ministry. And they're trying to move at the speed of light. It always makes me raise an eyebrow. Because oftentimes I find those that are called, those who have resisted. Those who are saying, nah, I don't know. They need a little nudge. They need a little mentor, a little discipler to come on their behalf and say, This is what God is calling you to do. And they're confirming already what God has been speaking into your heart. If the Holy Spirit leads you, say yes. Number one. It will be hard beyond imagination. It will be one of the most difficult things that you ever do. There will be more complications. There will be more tears. You have your own biological kids maybe and they're hard to deal with. You bring in a child who's been through a lot of stuff, a lot of complications. It will be harder than you can ever imagine. But the second promise is this. The child is worth it. The children are worth it. They're absolutely and completely worth it. All of us can't do everything, but I believe that all of us can do something. What can I do, Pastor Tom? I can, I can speak on their behalf. I can lend my influence to help that those are in need. If a family wants to adopt, I can help contribute to their adoption fund. I dream of a day in this church, this is true, I dream of a day in this church where we can have an, and this is the second time I share this, where we can have an adoption fund, that we could all pull together funds as a church, and let's pull those kids permanently out of that vicious system. Here's something that I want to be engraved on your heart this morning. When you see a need with someone, God can use you to make a difference. When you see a need with someone, God can use you to make a difference. Here's something I want you to understand. This is super important to me. I want you to hear this because this really matters to God and it should matter to us because we believe in the sanctity of life. We value life. We deeply value the life of the unborn child. We deeply value the life of the baby. We deeply value not only the life of the unborn child, but it would be vicious of us as a church to say that we valued life if we didn't carry that through until the end. It means more when we say we value the sanctity of life. It doesn't mean we're against abortion that is not the only thing it means we value the life of the teenager stuck in the system we value the life of the child that cries out for help it means we value the life of the homeless person of the rejected of those who are on the fringes of society that is the sanctity of life it means i value all human life means i don't only value the life of the teenage girl who ends up pregnant And who's scared to death because she feels ill equipped and might be rejected by those around her. It's deeper than that. We deeply value the parents who, at one point or another, were not adequately equipped to take care of their children. And those of you who are even here today, maybe you don't have access to your children right now. But we care about all life. All life doesn't just need a family, though. All life needs a spiritual family as well. These lives need more than just a place to call their own. They need a church. They need the love of God in the church because we value the sanctity of life. We value all life. We just don't need a family. They need a spiritual family. And that's what's so amazing this morning. You can be somebody's spiritual family. You can help out with a hug and some love. Guess what? If we Truly, deeply dive into this. And out of all of this, four or five foster kids come into this church, they're deeply going to be loved. Need to be loved. There's going to need to be a lot of patience from our children's ministry team to our church team. To our, There needs to be a lot of love that surrounds all of these kids. Not eyebrows raising up in the air because of something that the kid is doing. But there needs to be some deep love. Some deep compassion. And you are there to provide it. Maybe you can say, Pastor Tom, I want to I I be with these kids. I want to minister to these kids when they're coming in. Or maybe you're saying, God is really calling me to be a part of this and to say, I want to take one of those kids. I want to get them out of that system. To the men, I say, gentlemen, step up to the plate. Let's be men and step up. One of the greatest things that you can do, is to be a positive male godly influence in the life of a child. There are far more children out there who are lacking a father than children who are lacking a mother. Did you know that? You can invest in the lives of children. You can make a difference. For some of you who are well off, maybe you can throw a baby shower for a family who's adopting. Maybe you can help a caseworker who's overloaded and underpaid. Maybe you can provide needs for those who are going through something. You can do any number of different things. You can't do everything, but you can do something. And here's a promise. If you make a difference in the life of a child, you will not change the world, but you will change his or her world. And I want to say that again because I want that to be the thrust here. If you make a difference in the life of a child, you will not change the world, but you will change his or her world. Dream with me for a moment. What if in our church every single parent, every single mom, every single dad felt the love of God and support through his or her church, caring for him and ministering to their children? What if there was a waiting list of people to serve in our risen kids ministry? Because people were so passionate about showing the love of God to children. That they had to wait in order for there to be an opening to make a difference in the lives of kids. What if when a teenage girl or some woman had an untimely uh, pregnancy and felt ill-equipped to care for their baby, that before running away from the church feeling that they might be rejected, that they might say, at least I'm part of a church that will love me, embrace me, and find a great family for my child. What if instead of in the state of New Jersey there being 7,000 children waiting for a family today, there were families waiting for children to be in need? Why? Because the church rose up and lived as the church. The church is God's plan A. And I believe that what if could be true. That dream that I just shared with you could be true. If we as God's church would simply pray... And when he leads us, we would say yes, even though it may cost us, even though it will be difficult, it will be worth it. You, the church, are God's plan A, and God calls all of us to care. Maybe you're saying, Pastor Tom, I'm too old for this. I've raised my kids. My kids are grown. I'm telling you, and I believe this wholeheartedly, just like I believe that there's no person too young to advance forward, I believe that there's no person too old to make a difference. Maybe you are that foster parent that God is calling. And you're saying, no, no, I'm more of a grandparent now. For me to take on another kid, that's too much. Maybe God is calling you. Or maybe God is calling you to serve as a grandmother figure in this church. I grew up in a church. It was a really smaller church. And there were a lot of grandmas in the church that I could look towards and a lot of male figures in the church and a lot of women in the church that I could look towards to set a godly example. But what would, what would it look like for you to say yes? For you to say, I want to consider that, Pastor to, I want to be part of that. I want to get a kid out of that system. I pray to God that today... God would speak to your heart, that God would move you out of your comfort zone to take a step of faith. I pray that this today our risen kin, kin, kids leaders would be overwhelmed with people begging to get in and saying, I want to make a difference. I'm not going to pass up an opportunity to show the love of Jesus, to embrace, to nurture some kids. What if that's you? What if God is calling you? Maybe you came this morning today and you expected another message. You expected an inspirational thing to help you throughout your week. But I want to share with you this. Scripture is as much about God speaking into your life as much as, as it is about you doing and living this out. And this is a part of us living this out. I want to be a part of this. I want to be number one to sign up for this. My wife and I have spoken. We're not sure which one of those three options that we're doing. She's pulling for one end, I'm pulling for another. Um, but, uh, but we're going to do this. We've already agreed that we're going to do it. It doesn't matter how we're going to do this. And we, and we got scared and we spoke. And maybe some of the conversations that you will have maybe you have a, a spouse or maybe you're single and you can make this decision on your own. Or maybe you have a spouse that you need to consider in this. And one of the things that we spoke about is, how is this going to affect our kids? B- but we believe this. I can't shelter my kid forever. My little girl yesterday, I, I, made, her, I made her some dinner to eat. Eventually, when she gets older, I'm going to have to ask her permission before I share these stories. <laughs> but uh, I made her dinner. I made her French fries and steak yesterday. Okay, and she she just has this thing where when she doesn't want to eat, she just tosses the food sometimes until you get her out of the of the chair. Now, she doesn't go crazy with it, but she'll just flick a french fry off her thing and hope that the dog will eat it. So she took two french fries and flicked them off and flicked them off her plate. And I got upset, and I yelled at her. And I felt bad, and she goes, don't yell at me. And so then I took her to the couch. I sat her on my lap. I said, come here. I said, here, let's look at some photos together. And I pulled up the photos from Haiti. And every once in a while, I'll do this with her. And I told her, you see, Belle, you can throw away food because you have food to eat. I said, but these kids, and I showed her the kids in the photo, these kids, they don't have. I said, these kids that are in Haiti right now probably will go to bed without eating. So she cannot be sheltered from hard truths. Jesus isn't about sheltering us from hard truths, is he? We're called to live in this world, and so eventually she'll have to figure this out. And I will help her, and it will empower her to live more for Christ if she understands this from a younger age. That hey, I have blessings, but not everyone in the world shares in the same blessings that I have. We've spoken about this. Hey, how how is our family going to react? How is our family going to react? And these are conversations that you need to go home and have. Just because a family member says no or gets nasty with you about it doesn't mean you don't do it. But you take that into consideration, the environment that you're bringing the child into. But let me tell you something. I know so many of you here, so many of you here. Maybe for a lot of you, this is not something that God would specifically call you to. But for many of you, I know that you would be outstanding parents to children. I know for many of you, you would provide an outstanding home, outstanding discipleship, an outstanding influence for these children who desperately, desperately, desperately need your love. They desperately need your love. This is not Haiti, friends. This is not a third world country. This is happening in America. This is happening in America. And guess what? I know personal stories of folks who have grown up in the foster system who, who had foster parents that didn't treat them right, who were in it for the monthly paycheck that they could get. And I know of even one instance of a foster family where a child was raped by the foster father. Okay? Okay? We can provide a home, a godly home, a home where these kids don't have to worry about locking their doors at night in their bed. Where these kids don't have to worry and tremble in fear. I know of one situation of a, foster, a set of foster kids that were so scared when they got to their new home. And these were great people that they were with. So scared when they got to their new home that they took knives from the kitchen and put it underneath their bed just in case somebody would come in and try to sexually abuse them at night. This is the reality. Why? Because their mom was a drug addict and would bring in men and their home was a crack house where men would come in at all sorts of hours and they had to fear for their lives and had to fear for their safety. These are two true true stories that I've shared with you. Both of them connected to my family. This is sad. Sad. Sad that this is happening in our world. Where is the church? We're out there marching. We're out there marching against abortion clinics and Planned Parenthood. But we're not out there taking in these foster kids. There's a problem with that picture. Because guess what? Not to say that I don't believe in the sanctity of life. I've already shared with you that this morning. But there's a problem when I'm marching against something instead of Moving ahead to improve a child's life for something. There needs to be a duality, not a singular focus as a church. We cannot say we are for the sanctity of life and say, but we're not for the kids in the foster system. They are just as much a part of pro life as anything else, they are just as much a part of the sanctity of life as anything else. We've got to align ourselves. We can't be hypocritical with this. We can't, we can't feed all the garbage that we're given. We've got to be the church. Our view needs to be different. So I'm calling you. I'm more than calling you. I am challenging you as a church to say yes. To say yes, I'm going to go home. I'm going to have a discussion with this. I am going to do the best that I can. And here's here's the the. One of the best parts about this, if you're saying, Pastor Tom, I'm worried about my financial situation. I know I can provide a good home, but my financial situation isn't good. Here's the best part about this. Children in the foster care system, the state helps out with all of their medical costs, all of their clothing costs, all of their food costs, and they even pay you to take care of them on top of that. Okay? This is not about getting into a business, though. Don't think about it that way. But this is to say that your financial situation is not going to stop you from moving ahead and pressing forward and loving on these children who need to go home. They need to have somebody come up to them and give them a kiss at night and for them not to be scared about it. They need to have somebody tell them, hey, I love you. I love you so much. You don't even have to do anything. All you need to do is breathe, and I love you. They need to be exposed to that. My daughters are exposed to that every night. Every day, it's time for me to share what I have, what my girls experience with somebody else so that I can change somebody else's life. I believe we can do this. I believe we can more than do this. I believe we can do this together. I'm going to ask our worship team to come forward. Holy Spirit. By no means is this an easy topic to discuss. It's heartbreaking to think about just how difficult it is for many kids. We're waking up. Many kids that woke up this morning scared. Many kids that woke up this morning. that They were with their families yesterday and now they're in the foster system. In the state of New Jersey. And they're scared. Many children that have brothers and sisters, and they grew up loving them. Despite their parents' issues, they grew up loving their their brothers and sisters, and now all of a sudden, because of no fault of their own, they'll now be separated, many of them for the rest of their lives. So this is tough, but it needs to be spoken because we're called to do something about this. There's a little girl or little boy out there that is crying for help, and we are the answer. We are the answer. Let's meet the need. This is one of the most difficult, yet one of the most simple things that we can do as a church. And here's the beautiful part about it we can do it together, we can share experiences together. Maybe you say, maybe I won't love them the way I love my own kid. Let me tell you something. You will. You'll grow too. That love will grow and will grow and will grow. And as they're with you longer and longer, it'll grow. It'll continue to grow. Above all, you will be showing the love of Christ to these kids who desperately need it.